Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Welcome to episode 97 of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. In studio we have... Melissa Bernard. Andy Brandt Bernard. Tomas Sandstrom. And from many, many miles and eight hours away, uh, Tal, a new friend of mine, is phoning in from Israel. We're going to talk to him about all kinds of stuff after these exciting announcements. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tom Bernard here with my friend John Schwartz, co-owner of AAA Movers, a family-owned part of the Metro since 1964. John, first off, when it comes to moving, not all companies are created equal. What are some of the scary stories you hear about other guys? Tommy, if you hire Chuck in a truck, you unfortunately are going to get Chuck service. AAA Movers makes it our mission to guarantee satisfaction with every step of what can often be a stressful time in your life, moving. We move ten to 12,000 families every year, so from your price quote to the professional respectful way we handle your life's possessions, we'll make your move easy. My like easy. By the way, this month, if you mention Tom Bernard or KQ, you'll get a free moving box kit with every move, and you'll save 50 bucks off with junk removal with junk luggers. Your move is always triple guaranteed with AAA Movers. That's their price guarantee, safety guarantee, and satisfaction guarantee. Call 612-588-MOVE or online at aaamovers.com. AAA Movers, you may not move every day, but they do. Joining us from... Tel Aviv is Tal Meisels. I have to explain a little bit about our relationship because I don't think everybody follows me breathlessly. I've worked for Walzer. <laughs> I do. Uh, boy, for a long time. But last, late last summer, I started working with a basically a software company uh, that's going to revolutionize the world of car buying. And Tal, are you the are you the CTO? I don't even know your title. <laughs> Great. Um, <laughs> I'm the VPRD. Okay, the vice president of research and development. So he he's the guy that we yell at when things don't work right. So where'd he go, Tom? <laughs> As a tradition of car selling secrets, we ask our guests before we get started with the interview to tell the story of their very first car. What is what was the first car you ever owned? Okay, uh, so it, you know it, it took a long time before I owned a car. So I uh, I. Drove when I was seventeen. I drove my uh, it was a um, 
a Subaru, but not the old DL ones. Oh, uh, sure. It was 83. Um, and everybody drove it in Israel. It was like a, the middle class um, car. So everybody, like it, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually, I, I, I smashed it. <laughs> what? So next. So, sorry, mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, j- just a little bit. It was, uh, I, I came to pick a friend from his house. It was like a, a, this small like, wall. Um, and I, I just, you know, drive instead of parking. It happens to everybody, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, it happens to teenagers all the time. <laughs> well, I qualified then, so yeah. I had a, a friend of mine's son, um, I think it was his first or second week of driving, drove out of the garage. Uh, he forgot that he was supposed to open the garage door first, though. Oh, <laughs> that's not a fun mistake. Uh-oh. So what year was the Subaru DL? I used to sell those back in the 80s, believe it or not. Oh, my. Well, yeah, it was It was a, a great car, by the way. It was, like, drove, I think, you know, a thousand years. Um so it was very, very trustworthy, and all the family kind of drove it. Oh, that's my cool. Sister, yeah. Um, so uh, and yeah, and later it was, it was the the time in Israel where all the high tech companies uh, took lease for the employees because it was good, like in tax ways, it was uh, good for the employee and for the company. So I think that for the next, you know. 10, 15 years of my life uh, after the army, uh, I was you know, driving lease cars from, from companies. Oh, wow. So it was you know, Mazda 3 and uh, uh, Hyundai Elantra and all sorts of like small to family sized cars. All right. Well, that brings up my first question. And I think most people know that uh, uh, military service is compulsory in Israel. But what I learned and working for Fuse and, and getting to know you guys is that Israel is really a tech a hotspot and has been for a while. I mean, a lot of people compare it to Silicon Valley. What is the, what's the genesis? How did that start? Yeah, so um, there are a lot of stat- studies made on, on this question, and I think that it's really captured on the Startup Nation, it's a famous book. And... Um, think that um, if you look at Jewish history for the last, well, 2,000 years, um, you see a uh, um, history of, of, you know, having to get away and flee uh, on the spot. And usually you go to professions or, you know, to kind of work that you can actually, you, you, you won't buy farms or, you know, do something that you can take with you. And... I think that this influenced, and again, that's generations on end, mm-hmm. and influence our mindset of of always, you know, doing something we can live by and take take with us, and that's usually, you know, using our our mind. Um, and I think also it's very common in Israel, and that I, I don't know what the origin of of this uh but it's very typical to israelis to ask why about everything and and question everything and that's uh, a very startup mentality of going to a market um and and can be any 
could be, you know, the industry that, that I started uh, six months back in the, the automotive industry and just asking, why are you doing that this way? And then you discover some complexities that, that, that are there for a reason and some that are there just because, you know, people are working that way and never asked if there is a better way, a more efficient way uh, to do it. And since, again, in, I'm, I'm generalizing here, but I, I, I meet it a lot that Israelis will be, you know, with the nerve and the curiosity, maybe, to ask why. Um, I think that's the, the reason we have a lot of, uh, again, you know, ideas and, and good entrepreneurship here. So I think uh, I think that must mean that Andrew Walzer's Jewish because that's his driving question. And every I had lunch with him last Friday and hadn't talked to him for a long time. And he's always trying to figure out how to speed the process up. And he tries to identify the roadblocks. And what drives him crazy is when I'll ask somebody, why do we do this? And if the answer is, well, we've always done it that way. Right. It just he goes completely insane. It's really kind of funny. Yeah. I, I, I really like uh, this about Andrew. I, I you know, met him a couple of times in the States and, and obviously on, on management calls. And he's exactly that kind of, you know, entrepreneur mind say, OK, but so can we do it better? Yeah, um, And his brother and his dad was the same way. I think it's just a it's a family trait. I, I'll tease him. I'll just tease him that he's honorary <laughs> Jewish or something like that. And he'll just laugh. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if anybody wants this honor, so yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but um, but uh, yeah, I think that also um, um, on on the opposite side, you'll see that not a lot of like build to last, you know, companies are located in Israel, or you know, really enterprises. Mm -hmm. So that's the the other side of this. Okay, there's a, a great question here and a you know a great problem or challenge. Now that it's you know kind of done and we have to grow the business and make it a solid business, uh, not interested anymore. So get boring really quick, and that that's uh, I think you know the other side maybe less known of you know the startup nation mentality. Um, but I, I, that makes perfect. It's very interesting, I think, to think about because of the history of uh, the Israeli people that they had to be portable, and the, maybe that explains why there's so many doctors and so on and so forth. They're you know high skills that that are that transport well. But where did the tech side of it come from? I mean, you know, that's that's a that's a narrow skill set, really. Yeah. So again, I think that that. In the roots of Israel, I think that even uh, Ben Gurion, the first uh, prime minister, was really keen on investing in uh, in science and uh, and it invested a lot back in the day in the 40s and the 50s in establishing a lot of again science and research institutions in Israel. Um, and and I remember when like growing up, um, all the like again it's it's the name is Polish moms, like again, Jewish moms, it can be every every mom stereotype, like wanted her son to go to be a, a doctor or an engineer. And I think that slowly when when computers and, and software kicked in, it became kind of the this is the the the, the dream of, of every mother today is this for her son to go for like intelligence unit 
and software development in the army and then you know make a career out of it be a software engineer um so i think it it really became from a kind of a niche to a, a place where you can really meet a lot of great minds a lot of and and, and really super interesting projects that are being um managed and uh, explored and implemented and designed uh, in israel by companies a lot have to do with obviously with the influence of, of the army you, you can't uh, deny that uh, iron dome and such projects are very very te- technological and and groundbreaking um, so I have to I have to stop you and explain to uh, some of our listeners that probably might not know what you're talking about so Israel's a very small company and it's surrounded by some people that aren't all that fired up that Israel exists. And so rocket attacks are not uncommon. The Iron Dome is a, a really technologically sophisticated missile defense system. And a few weeks ago, when uh, there were some problems with Gaza and, the, and Hamas is sending in uh, rockets, uh, Tal sent a video out from his backyard of the Iron Dome missile defense system taking out these incoming rockets. And I'm like, and I had asked him to do the podcast. And, and I told him, I said, I, this is just scary as hell to me as an American, because, you know, when I was a kid, we thought the, the, uh, the Russians were going to nuke us. Mm-hmm. That's about as close as we ever got. And we right. did all the stupid right. duck and cover stuff like, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, my desk is going to save me from a right. 50 megaton warhead. Um, but to watch that, and then you guys are so cavalier about it. And Tall said, you know, I'm more nervous about doing this podcast the name about <laughs> incoming Hamas rockets. It was just something else. It's very funny. Yeah, I read that, that by the way, uh, I think statistically uh, that came to be number one, speaking in front of audience, and number two is death. So... <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> More scary. Um, I think that, again, um, People uh, get used to a very uh, wacky reality and, and surreal, uh, and they get used to this reality. And that's that amazed me every time. Um, and, and just for a, going sideways from the missiles for a moment, I, uh, I have three daughters, and the youngest is, is uh, four and a half. And when she was three months old, we had to operate her heart. Oh man! And we, yep, exactly. And we knew that uh, when my wife was pregnant, we discovered that she has, um, you know, some deficiency there that we needed to operate uh, sometime. And 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 we did. We just we had to handle it, and we did. And my sister told me, if it would happen to me, I would die. I wouldn't know what to do. And I told her that if if I had to go through this, like watching her, my sister doing it, I would react the same. But when you have to do something and you have you have children and and that's your reality, you adjust and you just do what needs to be done. And I think that that's kind of it's it's more scary and, and frightening to see it from the US. Um, and I think that as this is I know that it sounds crazy and it's it probably is crazy. It's not a like, Again, it's not a, a reality I want to live in, but it's there for a lot of time and and we're handling it. And I think that I'm very proud that 
you know, we're being able to do this technological miracle, basically, out of 8,000 missiles, uh, more than 90%, you know, exploded in the air by this Iron Dome, uh, which is huge because uh, really we felt safe. Um, and and that's that's really a, a victory in my, uh, you know, in my book, because, you know, it's not it's not about attacking someone or causing more damage. It's about defending yourself. And that's uh, and, and by by doing this technological really wonder because it's it, it's sci fi. Uh, and, and if you watch the, the video, um, I'm sure you agree, it just looks taken from a movie. It really? Uh, I mean, it does. It's exactly right. It looked completely surreal. And then I just kept telling myself, I know this guy. I've met him. He, he came to the States just, what, two months ago. And this is his backyard. And this is missiles yeah. getting blown up right over your backyard. Yep. And you thought North Minneapolis was tough. It was a lot harder <laughs> than Israel. It was really tough. It's a tough up upbringing. Yeah, a little dangerous. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question, and, and this is, you know, from an arrogant American that thinks that there's really only two political systems in the world, ours and outright communism. Um, yeah. You know, obviously Israel is a democratic state, but I explain to me how, what's going on with the uh, inability to uh, form a government in a parliamentary situation. I, I've never really fully understood that, so... Netanyahu's kind of on the way out because he was not able to form a government. But what does that process look like? I mean, this is a tall giving Doug political science 101 lessons. I like it. <laughs> At least trying to. Uh, it's too complex even to, for me. But uh, so there's an old saying uh, that, you know, three Jews, four opinions. <laughs> I <think> that... <laughs> I'm writing that one down. We're stealing that one, tall. <laughs> so that's. Exactly what's going on with our <laughs> ability to form coalitions, um, but our our system works that you know um, it's not that you elect a prime minister and he just forms the administration or uh, appoints people. It's you know parties, political parties that get votes and then they have to form coalitions. And it came to a point where. Um, where parties represent a, a slice, a narrow sector of in Israel, and the majority is kind of doesn't found itself in, in any party. And I feel that, that in some way, in the last elections, and, and a lot of Israelis feel the same, uh, politics and the people really got separated. And sometimes you just look and it, it looks like, a, you know, some wacky show where they're talking about coalitions and, and forming all kind of and, and we're looking and saying, well, there's COVID and missiles. And can you just start working for us and stop arguing? So but you're turning into Americans, actually. Yeah, I was exactly. right. Yeah, yep. Yep. <laughs> we're there. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So that's. Right now, you know, it's it's kind of a standstill, um, and I think now the fourth election, everybody just realized that we're, we can't go to the fifth. We can't be, become a, a, this, you know, funny democracy where, you know, every two months you have an election, and 
uh, I think that right now uh, it's like a, um, a magnetic force. <laughs> so Netanyahu holds all the other parties that really have very little in common together, <laughs> um, evolving just around the fact that they don't believe him and don't want to sit with him in a coalition. So, right. but, but it's not a strong ideological you know, connection there. So a lot of Israelis, again, uh, fear that, okay, it'll be the end of Netanyahu reign, but now what? We, we have like all kinds of parties, all kinds of messages there. Um, will it hold? I hope it will. Yeah, we'll it's, so the last that I read, uh, it, it sounds like he's done, but it also sounds like he might be doing something that happened in this country after November. <laughs> where the, the guy that lost uh, decided that, well, maybe I didn't actually lose. Is, is it the, kind of the same thing? So, uh, luckily for us, no. It seems like it's not the case. Okay. Uh, I, I won't say, like, again, it's, it's not over until it's over, and I don't know, but uh, it seems that the, really the public are so tired after, like, Again, with, with your system, it was one election, and that's it. Right now, it's after the fourth election. Everybody's just, let's end this and have an administration. So I think that, uh, you know, there's no, no, a lot, not a lot of room to do, like, political stunts or any other, you know, any other... Um, games with with this and i really hope it'll be you know it'll be the end of it uh because we really really don't want to, to again to get to a fifth election or sixth election or just become the weekly election or something so um you know again hoping that, that yeah that that would be draining I, w I was drained after our last election i think a lot of people were it's like i just just go back to work let's forget about it let's move on and 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 I, I think you and I share the same thoughts. I you know, I just wish the government would get to work and fix some problems, regardless of party, that affect everybody. And it's just, it's crazy. And and it sounds like it's a similar situation in Israel. But you mentioned COVID earlier. I I seem to remember early on Israel was like leading the world in terms of vaccination rates. Is was that true? Yeah, yeah. I think that this is this was a real you know great move uh, from Netanyahu's uh, government um, and he really you know he nailed it he just offered I think Pfizer mm -hmm. a great offer to be kind of a, a huge lab for their vaccine and and everybody kind of in Israel participated and uh, um, I think that the health department and basically was very well organized as a project and again we're not really known in in kind of the, this organization of like huge structure. It was really surprising for me to see how well it was organized and uh, and, and managed. And uh, so it wasn't like um, havoc or mayhem, and everybody's running and trying to get the vaccine. It was really um, you know categorized by age age groups, and everybody got you know their first and the second, and it was was very well organized so we yeah we got to a point where basically you know the the, the herd immunity and now try starting with uh, 
uh, with the younger, you know, teenagers and kids. Yeah. Overall, the feeling outside is that I think that next week, the the mask, the indoors masks, is the last kind of rule that is going to be canceled. So we feel basically after it. That's great. We had, you know, things are, are, are going well in this country, although even COVID vaccinations, we've managed to turn into a political football at some level, which is kind of crazy. But and I think one of the things that you guys had an advantage as a small country, we call ourselves the United States of America, but we're really 50 different countries that paid taxes to Washington, D.C. We don't always get along all that well or share the same viewpoints. And, and every state, you know, there were different rules depending on what state you were in. It was kind of nuts, but we've got, you know, pretty high vaccination rates. And the, the, the world certainly looks like a much better place. Uh, than it did uh, just a few short months ago. Tal, we got to take a break uh, for some commercials, and we'll come back to you in about two or three minutes. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more shift real estate, the common sense way to sell your home. Visit shift to sell.com because life is expensive enough. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Hey, it's Tom again for my good friends at Profile by Sanford. I'm all in with my profile journey, and I'm happy to tell you that I've lost weight and I'm keeping it off. So what's the secret to my success? One word coaching. I have the best. Danette has been amazing. Profile, it's not just, weight loss is not just about one thing. You know, it's about putting all of your unique pieces together and really help you reach and maintain your healthy goals. Makes total sense. And it's not hard. Kelly pointed that out. Even you could do it, Tom. I remember you saying that. (laughs) Well, I had faith in you. I knew that uh, you would really love this program. I knew you would really do well on this program. I knew your history with with other programs. And Mm -hmm. like Danette said, what we do is not a one-size-fits-all program. Um, and right. we are really, really interested in what's going to work for the individual for the long term. Profileplan.com for a location near you. Oh, and mention promo code KQRS for a special discount. Profileplan.com. That's profileplan.com. We are back second half of Walzer Automotive Group's car selling secrets phoning in from Israel, actually uh, zooming in from Israel. My good friend Tal Meisels, we work together uh, for Fuse Auto Tech, which is, uh, I'm I'm not going to be a Walzer employee after the 1st of July. It's going to be fully in uh, Fuse, which what is What am I? Cool. Am I in Fuse or am I a Walzer employee? Um, I would say you're a Walzer employee I for am. what... You Technically, I think you're a contract worker. You could be a contract you're worker. You're a reverse yes. yeah. contract worker. God. 
Tal, I wanted to ask you, and this is a sensitive subject, but I think I'm really interested in in your take on it because, you know, and I don't know if every country does this. As an American, I realize the differences in my country, that people are of different mindsets and of different opinions. But also as Americans, I know that we look at the rest of the world as a bunch of monoliths. In other words, all Chinese people are great at math, um, oh, so on yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Everybody in Africa is a great athlete. Every Israeli thinks this oh, way. Every country does that, right. I think me. that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I and I know this is a sensitive uh, subject, but I want to get your take on it. You know, with the with the recent uh, missile attacks and the Palestinian situation, this seems like a, a problem that has no real solution. Right. What does it feel like in Israel? Uh, what What are your thoughts on that? Uh, do you have a month? Yeah, <laughs> well, you got, say, you got about twenty minutes. Yeah. If he knows the answer, to and that, we're not he should looking be for the solution. And, you know. That's just you know. It, it no, occupies no, such a small amount of time in the American mind, but it's it has to be something that you guys think and discuss all the time and probably have different viewpoints. So I was just curious what your take is. So I think that that um, well, that's dispute between uh, Arabs, Palestinians, and, and Israeli Jews um, is really ancient. It's around 100 years since uh, Jews started to arrive to Israel until this very day. Um, and I think that in the in the early 90s, when uh, Prime Minister Rabin and Arafat uh, started the peace talks and ba- basically signed a peace treaty, it was the, I guess, the, the peace and love, you know, epic and, or, or time in, in Israel. Uh, we, we were very hopeful and I think all the left wing uh, in Israel was really had this hopes very, very high. I remember myself in, in you know, 1992, um, I was in, in high school and we were very, you know, excited about it. And, and you know, a lot of the years it, it kind of shuddered. So it didn't, it didn't hold. And I think the two sides were very suspicious and, and you know, it, it didn't. It didn't really help. So, right now, uh, you just said that we're we we talk about this all the time. Unfortunately, we don't. This is a, a subject that it's now a, kind of a taboo. When you're talking about it in Israel, you'll you'll hear everybody saying, "No, there, there isn't a partner in the other side," and that's the end of it. Nobody's trying. This is. I I just thought about it last night before, you know, knowing that we'll talk today, that. Although we're such a startup nation and we're asking why and trying to find great ways to deal, this problem is just something that nobody wants to get near. And nobody, I think, has the courage to to say, hey, until we'll solve this, we can build 100 iron domes, but it'll stay, you know, shitty situation and that without a solution and, and we desperately need one. So... Uh, unfortunately, again, we're not talking enough about this, and we should. I think that this this won't go away. There, are, you know, millions of Palestinians, millions of Israelis. Everybody knows that they will stay right here uh, on this like small, forsaken part of the world, and and we need to basically find a solution. It, it's it's not it's not simple, but I think that you know, with the right um, even with curiosity, I mean, with courage, with with 
talking about what's what's really wrong here um, and on both sides, it's doable. Um, but now it's really it really seems very very far uh, off today. As as again, there's generations of hatred, um, and and right now we're you know very uh, the hope is not not really there. And 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 I'm I'm really worried about what what I'm leaving to my daughters, um, you know, as as kind of for the next generations. Uh, it doesn't really look that good. Um, well, I mean, you're in a you're in a, a cycle right now that's very very violent, and obviously that waxes and wanes. And it's you know this is the probably the most difficult time to to, to garner hope. I would think, you know, there have been steps, and I don't I'm not eminently familiar with the history of the country, but I know, you know, back in the late 70s, the Camp David peace accords and that kept Israel and Egypt apart seemed to last for a long time. And then, as you said, in, you know, in the early 90s, there were signs of progress, but then things go backwards. And it's, it, it has to be, it has to be very difficult. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, 1995, I think, was the, was, was a year in history where you know, there's a huge break or, you know, basically when Re Prime Minister Rabin was, was murdered, um, that's, you know, the, the murderer there just really, really succeeded because from this point onwards, really, you know, peace talks and, and, and basically the, the peace camp, right? I mean, or, or base or party was really diminished and, and, and from year to year, you saw less and less will and hope and courage and everything you need to, to basically change reality in, um, you know, in, in the Israeli public. And again, I can't measure and I don't really know if the Palestinians were ever in this state where they were, you know, where the majority was for stop this insanity and really you know talk about solutions uh, other than uh, you know full destruction of israel which i'm i'm not really you know voting for um so <laughs> wow yeah. that's that's kind right. of a radical stance you're taking there yeah Tom. it really is you know. yeah, yeah I, I won't yeah yeah i won't compromise with this um, <laughs> <laughs> well it's good to hear you have principles <laughs> i'm yeah, in favor of my own life <laughs> exactly I just want to leave, just add it to the contract. Um, so, so yeah, I think that I don't, I can't estimate how close we really were or, or maybe we weren't ever close on, on the Palestinian side, but I know that in the Israeli side, again, uh, early nineties were really the hopes were that here comes this, this internal peace and we'll do peace with, you know, we'll make sign peace with Syria and Lebanon and everybody else. When we signed with Jordan and the Palestinians, it was just like, you know, wow, our dream came true and it just crashed and burned. And it was a really, I think, the hardest time uh, for me as a, as a young man and for the entire nation when Rabin was actually murdered and, and, and just, the, you know, the everything went with him and it was really heartbreaking to see and from there basically it just crumbled so right now it's nobody nobody actually discussed there's no discussions between us and the palestinians 
and at all. And we just see these cycles every, it can be two months, five months, and everybody just accepts it. Oh yeah, that's another violent cycle and missiles and, you know, counting the dead and okay, it's over. Now everybody's back to work or whatever it is that you do and until the next round. So yeah, that's, um, I really hope we can, we can, you know, change this, um, course of events well maybe fuse autotech will be the uh the pattern of the future <laughs> i i will tell you it's it, it's probably an unintended consequence of covid but the whole ability to work with people all over the world i think is really cool and you mentioned uh, jordan i found out for us is jordanian he lives in michigan now and you know, Riz is up in Canada, and we've got Christians. And and, and the, the advantage of that as a, a company, I told upper-level management, I said, we have to respect everybody's religion. So if we add them all up, we're really only going to work about three weeks a year. Yeah, there you go. Because it's Ramadan. It's, you know, That's we've got true. all kinds of stuff to celebrate. So I'm being totally flipped, but, I, but not completely. I think it's, you know, multiculturalism uh, is can be magnified by the use of the internet and the ability to communicate, you know, across borders. I'm, I'm, I, I own an old Mercedes. I've had a couple of them and it's, it's fascinating to me that I, I'm on a user group on Facebook, people that own the same model of car that I do all over the world. And because with Google translate, I can answer questions, to people that are Danish and Japanese and and even Australian because they don't actually speak English. We just think they do. Right. <laughs> so so I think that that by the way that this diversity is sometimes I see companies that you know they they're very proud of the diversity and I'm pretty sure that if you'll walk in you'll see groups of like people talking yep. among themselves and not really mixing. So there are the kind of like we do diversity as PR, but in in companies we're really you know they're working together, and I managed you know Israeli Arab people, and I worked obviously with you know with Americans, with Europeans. I think that the cool stuff on on this you know crazy um, fake news era that we're we live in, and 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 everybody's again have have their opinions from from really stupid posts and, and Facebook uh, that when you work with someone for for a long time, you really, you know, all the masks are off and you can really better understand um, people around you uh, because we all generalize and we all categorize. And that's kind of, I think that that's a, a something we born with for our own survival. We need to know who's bad, who's good and do it really quick. So this is this is the way, you know, our mind is set. You know, you see some somebody and you just categorize, you classify it with this, you know, AI that we have in our brain and just, okay, so he's Jewish and he's, you know, Syrian and Jordanian or whatever. And then you classify. When you work with someone, I think you shatter this classification. And that's that's a cool thing. I will tell you, when, when you uh, and Kobe were here, was that two months ago? It must have been about that. Yeah. Um, we had to go to World Walzer Dominance headquarters, and 
And I always roll my eye at this sort of stuff. So the chief human resources officer got together and we had to do this exercise where you exposed all different parts of yourself. And as cynical as I was about it, I thought I thought it was fascinating just hearing everybody's story and then telling a little bit of my own. It was interesting. So I'm going to ask you a really difficult question. This is actually harder than the Palestinian-Israeli uh, issue. What's the worst thing about working with Americans? <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, this is live, Tal. We don't do any editing. Come on, buddy. That's true. We do not do any editing. Nothing is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> There's perfect, nothing guys. perfect. Correct answer. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, no, I think, look, I, I really worked with a lot of uh, American companies along the years, so <clears throat> I, I can say that I... I do like the way that, you know, uh, the kind of action item way that American work uh, in. And I I really can't say that I have something that I, um, you know what? I think that automotive is very different from other startup uh, that I work with in the US. You're very direct, you're very, you know, there's a, a word in Hebrew called dugri. To be dugri is to be very direct and honest about uh, things. Really, I think that you, Alan, Tom, Colton, everybody in the, you know, in, in management and all the employees, they're magically very, very Israeli in this way. So for us, it's, it's I don't know, it's, it was really uh, a good match I and, and a good fusion between uh, the automotive guy, and then, and maybe again, maybe everybody in the automotive industry is just direct and, and open, as, as everybody in, in, in Fuse and Walser uh, is. But I, I don't. I th honestly, I think it has to do more with Walser culture than automotive culture. We're yeah, we're really probably. so different than most car dealer groups. Yeah. There in are America, some other progressive ones, but you ask any given American what they feel about car dealers, and they're going to say like you know shady and right. underhanded and that kind of stuff. Pedophiles, vultures, <laughs> maybe not pedophiles. <laughs> Doug you know. Sprinthal, yeah, yeah. Doug Sprinthal. It is it is Shut true up, that Melissa. a lot. <laughs> he said it first. <laughs> and I don't know if it's changed a whole lot in the past several years, but uh, it's a long-standing. Uh, perception yeah. that car dealers are kind of shady people. And it, was mo it is mostly rightly deserved. One of the things yeah. that Tall set up, which was interesting, was Fuse University. I told him, okay, we can mm -hmm. do this, but we have to shorten it to FU. Yeah, um, sure. Mm -hmm. So it was really Certainly. training classes for the Israeli team to understand how the automobile business in the United States works because it's it is fairly complex and as an insider you think well you know my business is harder than your business but because so much is dictated by the manufacturers we really have to speak fluent Toyota oh, fluent yeah. Mazda fluent mm -hmm. General Motors all this sort of stuff because they all have different rules and as a programmer or a coder or something you go well this can't be that complex you have a product somebody wants to buy it we have to do the transaction and then you start looking at all the data points that you have to absorb even to just transact a car, which is what the ultimate goal of this company is. Uh, it, it will be able to do a customer, if they wished, would be able to complete an entire transaction on a laptop or a PC mm -hmm. or, a, or an iPad, uh, in, including sourcing multiple lenders, multiple mm -hmm. lease terms. I mean, and 
Oh, I know for a fact I could never do all the schmoozing with manufacturers and yeah. banks yeah. and all that yeah. kind of stuff. I would hate that so much. Yeah. So that's what we're working on, and it's, uh, we're getting really close. Uh, we have got the first product that will be live probably in a couple of weeks and go to market with that. The end-to-end uh, solution is a little farther down the road, but this, is, uh, this could be really, really revolutionary. And, and it really started with Andrew and a couple of us sitting around going, God, I wonder if we could build something that would do this. And it started to grow, and at some point uh, in the last year or two, it's like, you know, we don't have this engineering chops to do this. So we've got one guy who's good, uh, but we need 20 guys, and 20, I shouldn't say guys, people that are good. There's Way women go. as well. Um, just a habit. So it's exciting uh, to, to bring this team together and, and, and work internationally. The only thing that sucks about it is the hours. It's, uh, what are, you, are you eight hours ahead of us? Yep. So Talzan yeah, is like fifth cocktail. Nine right now. twelve. Yeah. Nine twelve in the evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's yeah. like this is how I want to end my day talking to a bunch of Americans about you know <laughs> about the farmers <laughs> union farming of Central governments Kansas. And, exactly. You know, that stuff. You're amazing. You know, I have to put up with this every week, Tall. You don't. I have to put up with Sprinthal every week, every day of every week. That's not fair, is it? <laughs> yeah, I I, I, I know what you <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So, how many times have you been to the U.S. Tall? Um, I think around five. Oh, okay. So, well, that's yeah, more than I've been to Israel. Much. When do we get to go to Israel? By the way, yeah. Come on, you know, August. It's a. Uh, you know, to be in a desert, it's fun. <laughs> well, it's it's close to that here. It's yeah. 98 degrees. But the good mm-hmm. thing is it's not a desert, so not only is it 98, but it's really humid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And no, you can... but most of the population here is just on the coastline, so it's mm-hmm. super humid. And again, 80% humidity in oh. summer. And Tel Aviv is really very hard to be in in summer, like July and August. All right. Well, we'll come for Christmas break then. How's yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas break in it. Christmas in yeah. Israel. I don't know if they have Christmas break in Israel per se. Exactly. Doesn't it get? Does it get cold? It snows in Israel. Yeah, I not a ton. So. Not like not by Minnesotan standards. But like, I think. but like, so I've I've been to Turkey and they described winter to me as pretty chilly because it's it's on the Mediterranean, so it's mm-hmm. so it's very humid. And then if it gets to 40 and it's wet, yeah. it's yeah. very cold. Cold yeah, and humid is not a great combo. So East Coast is like it that. It feels really cold. Yeah. Oh, Maine yeah. in the winter, I hear, yeah. is pretty tough. It, it is, but it, it, won't, it won't get too cold. And, and, I mean, from temperature standpoint, it's not getting too cold. And, oh. and really hardly ever. I mean, all my life, I remember one, um, it, it was, I think, light snow like one again i'm 43 never ever um it it, it snows sometimes on on jerusalem mountains and on the mountains up north but really it's the winter here is again from guy from minnesota should have this winter is really the summer for you so for you so it's it's not really cold here you know we should do if we should if we do take a trip to israel for christmas we could just call it the goyish anachis trip what do you think? <laughs> Tal knows what I just said, but you guys don't. I don't know. 
It's all between you and me, pal. It's none of their business. <laughs> right. Not like you haven't told that story 30 times before. Just this month. Wow. I love it. Maybe you're getting a little better. When, in that Tal, when Tal and Kobe were here, um, we, we went out to dinner, and I told them my one Jewish joke, and he, I said, I don't know if this man... <laughs> trans- well, you know, it's a... He had a hat. Oh, he had a, oh I love that the, joke. Mm-hmm. I love and he it. goes, yeah, that translates yeah, pretty well. He <laughs> had a... What, what's the matter? He had a hat. <laughs> the greatest joke of all time. God, look at that. That flew by, man. What's that all about? Tal, did you have fun? Oh, yeah. I did. Did it go by fast? Uh, yep. What did I tell you? <laughs> Blazing fast, really? Yeah, you just promised me that, and it, it just did. Yep, uh, it, it happens to everybody, and everybody's nervous the first time they're on. So, when are you guys back? You're coming back to Minnesota in a couple of weeks, aren't you? Basically next week. Oh, oh next, next week. week. Next week. In a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, uh, just next Saturday, I'll land. And, Saturday evening, and I'm staying until uh, Friday the 25th. So Okay, so we'll have to carve out some time to do some swimming. I have a big boat on the Mississippi River. There you go. And after work, we'll, uh, we can take probably all the Minnesota Fuse people and you guys out, and we'll go swimming and drink beer if that sounds like it's interesting to you. It, it does, and let's do it. Okay. <laughs> it does, and let's do it. Yeah, like let's it. do it. That wraps up episode 97 of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. We're getting dangerously close to triple digits. We're going to plan some sort of a celebration. Next week's guests, uh, stand by because I've been really busy and I haven't booked anybody. Oh, for Christ's sake. (laughs) Hey, I got a week. I'll figure it out. Jeez. Did you get Yasser Arafat? A little balance. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, you can get get his phantom. Yeah. Get his phantom to show up. Exactly. Yeah, he might be a who's, tough. Who's guest. the guest on the Who's the guest on the 100th show? I, I have no idea. I, I I'm really <laughs> terrible at this. What I've learned about podcasting for me, the talking part is relatively easy. It's the booking that takes a lot of work. Yep. You know, because we really Maybe. obviously we talked about cars for well, there was some automotive content in here. I think if people are in the car business, they'll understand what we're trying to achieve with Fuse. Uh, but for the most part, it's just people with interesting stories. And, you know, I I learned a lot of, just in talking to you about what life in Israel is like. And I think hopefully people enjoyed that. So thank you very much for being on. I will see you next week. And that's it, everybody. Over and out. Over and out.